Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting and fun-filled episode of Dangerous World Podcast. Got uh, some new listeners that we picked up, and uh, I'm very honored to have you on board. There's a ton of podcasts out there, and it's pretty cool to be not only in the top 1% globally, but um, you know, be pretty high up in the charts. I'm honored. And uh, obviously, my day one homies, I got to thank the most because you guys were with me before the show was considered to be um, even halfway decent. So I appreciate that very much. Now, um, I'm Ryan Dean. I'm ready and super psyched here. Um, I just watched Dodgeball and uh, that scene where Justin Long is a cheerleader and he comes out and says, Justin, whatever, ready and super psyched. I was just, I wanted to use that here. So there you go. Felt forced, but I wanted to do it. Now, I'm going to talk about some secret societies in this episode and a few different things that I came across, some more of these uh, that are more, um, I don't know if obscure is the right word, but definitely more occult. I mean, they're more hidden societies. And we're going to run the gamut here from, you know, top-level scientists in the Jason Society to cannibalism and some voodoo societies with the sect Rouge. And, uh, you know, I might, I might touch a little bit on the Leopard Society too, which sounds like a sexy stripper society, but it is not. Um, dark, dark stuff in there, but I'm going to kind of be all over the place with this. I, I'm excited though, man. This is fun stuff to get into. I love secret society talk. It's actually one of the first like niche things that the show started getting into after, you know, Brandon left the show, the old co-host, he, uh, you know, didn't know too much about societies and, and I don't think he was that interested in them to be honest. So I started kind of digging into them and finding some really interesting things. Now, with that being said, something very interesting happened in the conspiracy world the other day. The Georgia Guidestones, the infamous, weird, satanic Georgia Guidestones got nuked. And um, a lot of us couldn't be happier, man. You know, this was a very strange little monolith. They call it the American Stonehenge, which I guess is fitting because it was pretty satanic. Um, really dark shit written on these. And I'm actually going to go over a little bit on the Georgia Guidestone. It's a hack thing to talk about. We What was one of the first episodes that we did back when Brandon was on the show when you're talking about these very basic conspiracies, the bloodlines and sort of that stuff that is very important but uh, and, and foundational, I should say, but, you know, overly talked about. I actually found some new things out about the Guidestone um in Georgia there which is no more and like I said a lot of people are really excited about this I'm very skeptical anytime something like this that that seems good on the surface happens you have um the date alone being kind of interesting right uh what is it seven six twenty two right 
Now, seven plus six is 13. I'm not going to get too crazy with this numerology. Uh, a buddy, I think it might have actually been Matt, brought this up in a group chat that we're all in, where you add up the seven and six, you get 13, and then you get the two, two. You got one, three, two, two, and the three, two, two is Skull and Bones. I mean, this is there. It's on the outside of the tomb there at Yale, right? Now, for those that aren't familiar with Skull and Bones, I talk about them pretty often. I They get referenced, right? George Bush um, being royalty in that. Poppy Bush, that is, not the kid. The kid's just kind of there. You know what I mean? But interesting stuff when you start looking at dates. And when people that aren't into numerology bring that up, it's something that sounds interesting at the very least. So um, the date alone is very, very interesting. And you have the idea, too that maybe the tomb or the uh, the monolith was taken down because it literally says that we need to reduce the world's population down to 500 million, if I'm not mistaken. I always mix that up, but I have the, yeah, 500 million. And we're, are we at 8 billion right now? Something like that. So, you know, that's quite a few. That's, that's a, a massive amount of the population that we need to go away. So... With these these vaccines, and they've been cited a lot in the last couple of years since the pandemic rolled out and the vaccine controversy and all that stuff, that is pointed to often because it says it right there. It says that we want to reduce the population, and they don't know who created this thing, right? It says R.C. Christian was the creator of this. Now, a lot of people point to the idea that this could be part of the Rosicrucian order which I will actually reference a little bit later on with something a little different, but very similar called Martinism. And so we're going to get into all that stuff too. But I just wanted to, to run this down for anyone that wasn't familiar with the Guidestones. I know most of my uh, you know, old OG audience is, but maybe some newcomers aren't. These 10 commandments of the New World Order are written in eight languages. Okay, you got English, Spanish, Swahili, Hindi, Hebrew, Arabic, Chinese, and Russian. And then there's also when you when you're walking up to the monument, it explains that on the ceiling, on the edges of the the top tablet, the capstone, if you will, there's Babylonian cuneiform, classical Greek, Sanskrit, and then Egyptian hieroglyphics on those four sides. So you've got uh, twelve different languages on this thing, right? Now, what the Ten Commandments read in all of these languages are uh, number one: maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. That was the one that I think was pretty damning and the reason why I think they wanted to just remove this. I'm not saying George Soros blew the thing up, okay? But I'm not saying that someone like that didn't, okay? This is not me alleging anything. I'm just saying, hey, think about it. This kind of works out and the timing is a, is a hell of a coincidence. And it's not so much what's just on top of the the monument here, what you can see with the naked eye. It's potentially what's under it, which I'll get into here in a second. Now, that was number one. Number two, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. A little bit of eugenics, anyone? little uh, party of eugenics for $500 million. Uh, number three, unite humanity while, uh, I'm sorry, unite humanity with a living new language. They don't want to bring back a dead language. They want a living language, which would probably be obviously created with like some sort of AI speculation here. But um, it's interesting to think. And this this goes against 
the diversity that they claim is so important, right? And they're trying to control Latin languages, right? They want to throw the X over the O and the A to show masculine and feminine. They're basically telling Latin Americans that they don't know how to speak properly. And they're trying to change the language there by, by making it more inclusive with an X instead of an O and an A. Fuck all that. Um, number four, rule, passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Okay. Number five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Number six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. I'm all for that. Maybe taxes. Taxes, does that count? Number eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Number nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. That sounds a little spiritual right there, but hey, you know what? I've bagged on spirituality enough. I'll leave it alone for now, okay? Um, and the 10th and final one here, which is definitely interesting. Um, makes sense, though. Be not a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. It makes it a point to say it twice. Now, obviously, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, all that stuff falls right in line with these commandments. Now, like I said... It's not so much what's at what what you're able to see with your eyes here, right? There's a, a a capsule, a time capsule buried six feet underneath the stones. Now, when are we supposed to open this capsule? It doesn't say. It doesn't say when it was buried either. So I found that incredibly interesting. And all the information that I looked at before, you know, two years ago almost, I never found anything about a time capsule. Maybe I did and I just forgot. But there are some interesting elements here that you don't really um, see at the surface level. The exact quote, I, I believe, on the on the um, on the ground, if I'm not mistaken, it says regarding the time capsule: "Place six feet below this, and it's cut off. Will be opened. Uh, it was buried on, and then to be opened on. It doesn't give any dates there for either. So, interesting little thing here." And another thing that might be kind of fun to um, to speculate on the significance of some of these features is the astrological elements to it. You've got a hole, a tiny, tiny, tiny hole, almost like a pinhole, which you can view the North Star from, right? That's that's a wild little um, wild little feature for this thing. And then you also have. Um, there's also a built-in clock, if you will. At 12 p.m., no matter the time of the year, a hole in the capstone will uh, allow light to shine onto a cutout. So you've, you've got a, a sky clock, you've got a viewing of the North Star, and then, uh, yeah, the time capsule. I mean, the time capsule is the weird damn thing to me, man. Is this like some sort of symbolism that's in there is there some hidden knowledge it it makes it seem as though this is what is required to restart the earth after some sort of apocalypse or something of that nature so a lot of things to speculate on why was it taken down why was it built what's in the time capsule um why are these languages chosen clearly english makes sense because it was built in the united states but then you have your your four ancient languages, the hieroglyphs, the Babylonian cuneiform, all these things. I don't know, man. Um, I say good riddance to it, but I wonder if um, the destruction of this is really going to kick something else off, right? You always got to be a little concerned when things like this seem good. I saw a lot of people 
you know, really excited about it. And and I, I do think it's fun. It's definitely a conspiracy afoot, right? But it's um, definitely, definitely interesting. So before we roll into that, guys, um, and we say good riddance to the Georgia Guidestones, I'd like to point out the idea of the Patreon here. No pressure. Sign up for $3 at patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. Uh, also, the store. If you want to get any merch or anything like that, that is dangerousworldstore.com. T-shirts, all that kind of cool shit, man. Hoodies, mostly T-shirts and hoodies. Some stickers. I actually need to get some new stickers in. I uh, I did a little rebranding right after we got those first stickers made. And I want to do some um, some stuff with the new logo. So look for those. Maybe some fun little like uh, Sasquatch and... You know, shit like that, Sasquatch and aliens and uh, some more conspiratorial things for stickers. Everybody likes stickers, man. So I appreciate you guys supporting the show that way. And if you if you don't have the funds, which I get, I guess, if you don't have three dollars, support the show by telling a friend or leaving a five star review. You have no excuse because Spotify now allows reviews. So I want reviews on the show, man. We need that. That helps us grow. And uh, you guys are absolutely helping me grow right now, and I'm fucking stoked on that. So thank you to everyone helping the show. I actually got a, a, a three-star review the other day that said that I was mean to women. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? I don't I don't see the connection that this uh, cuck is making. But uh, the only woman that I'm mean to is my co-host when she pops on, and she understands it's a joke. So if you can't get a little satire or a little, you know, ball busting or uh ovary busting maybe this isn't a show for you and that's okay um i know lena dunham has a podcast and there's some other shows out there which will talk to you kindly and uh not ruffle any feathers what's that girl i think greta thunberg has a podcast it might be in a different language um and then there's a few there's a few out there the um pod save america those cucks that worked for obama Hey, those guys are pretty polite. Get over there and listen if you don't like a little shit talking, okay? But uh, they might also try to groom your kids and make them, uh, you know, watch drag queens and do all this weird shit. So moving aside, all of that shit, which, you know, that that review was kind of funny. I got a chuckle out of it. I would actually prefer you leave a five-star review and then tell me how much of a piece of shit I am. I think that that would be kind of funny. Um, I'll read them. If there's a hilarious one, I'll read it. There is one that says, I heard Ryan has a giant hog, and that made me laugh on the inside a little bit. So thank you for the positive reviews and fuck the negative ones. But um, let's get into these cults. Let's get into these orders and all these things, the societies, the the, the fun shit that uh, that these weirdos do, man. The, the, you know, hidden hand, the elitists that run our realm here. And I don't think that you can start really looking into them without a very powerful originator of a lot of these societies and one that I haven't mentioned and I haven't heard mentioned too often and that's the Atonists. Now the Atonists are very very old school. Uh, They date back to Egypt and they're the Egyptian cult of Akhenaten who's Egypt's great uh, grandmaster and the god of light and they worship him and the solar Aten. Now the Aten goes back to before Akhenaten was around. I think Akhenaten was uh, 18th century, or maybe he was 18th dynasty. I forget exactly when, but the Aten, um, or Aten, is from the 24th century BC, and it's referred to as the Sun Disk. Now, when you look at it, you really can't help but think 
of the 1,000 points of light referred to in regard to Lucifer. You look at this thing, it's a ball. It kind of looks like the the foundation of the all-seeing eye, right? A, a basic sun disk, like it says, with rays coming off of it, mostly pointing down. Um, I have seen some iterations where the light is, the sun rays are going all around in a 360-degree fashion, but um, most of the depictions will have your semicircle of sorts with the rays of light. And um, Akhenaten is referred to as this renegade pharaoh. So obviously, we might know renegade from something else, another powerful figure in modern times, right? And it obviously raised a little bit of suspicion when this uh, president, Obama, actually called his own, uh, you know, call sign or his uh, code name that same same term, renegade. He went by renegade. By by contrast, uh, Trump was mogul. Um, and there's kind of a fun thing that they do when they do that. They like renegade. I think the daughters were Rosebud and something with an R. They all have to be with the same letter. With uh, Trump, you had mogul. Muse was Melania. Mountaineer was uh, I think Eric or or Don Junior. DJ TJ, and then Marksman was the other one. But uh, you you have the same thing. Eagle and Evergreen for the Clintons, and it goes on and on. But um, it's it's fun to look into those and kind of look at the symbolism. A lot of people remember Evergreen from Hillary Clinton and Evergreen never dies. Um, the fountain of youth, all that kind of shit is tied in with that. But, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's interesting when a president takes the name renegade and renegade is not, not usually looked at as something that's patriotic, right? A renegade would be someone that goes against the status quo and I'm all for that. Right. But not. If you're making it seem like you're upholding the system, that's a little bit of duality for you. And these people are obsessed with that. And it's actually pretty interesting. I've heard cases made. I think Freeman Fly was one that said that Obama could either be a descendant of Akhenaten, obviously a distant descendant. He's not immortal or anything that we know of, um, or even could be a clone. And I think that that's a little far for me to go. But, um, you know, people smarter than me and, and more established in this whole conspiratorial realm would say, you know, uh, Obama's a clone of Akhenaten. And they do have similar features. I mean, the the Egyptians were black, right? They were African. I almost said African-Americans. Look at that. They were African, right? And um, Obama obviously could have similar features. I, you know, it's tough to know exactly what this Akhenaten dude looked like, but they do they do kind of resemble each other as, uh, as crude as the images are of Akhenaten. But, um, yeah, many, many of the world's orders and fraternities were created and funded by the cult of Atan, the Atanists. And they're behind the so-called New Age movement that we see right now. And this is something that I always rail against almost in every episode. I feel like I know it's probably like de beating a dead horse. But um, I don't know. This, this New Age movement is gaining some steam, man. And it's really gaining steam with people that you wouldn't think would approve of it. Conspiracy theorists, right? Um, these people that all pride themselves in thinking differently, but they think the same as each other. OK, um, and it's risen to power dating back to like the 60s and 70s. So that's when this whole thing kicked off. And the Atonists are the force behind Fabianism. Uh, it's kind of a, a, an extreme way of socialism. Right. And then Zionism, which I actually have a, another society that ties nicely in with Zionism. It's basically everything is to protect Israel, the land of the Jewish people and all these things. Right. And then spiritualism. There it is. There's my my trigger word, spiritualism. So the Atonists are behind this stuff. Fabianism, Zionism, and spiritualism. 
Now, the cult of Atan also funds and controls the world's major charities. And not only that, but the majority of the U.S. Protestant pro-Zionist evangelist pastors. Also, newspapers and media networks for the youth. I remember, PBS was a huge one. It was almost like they would run fucking trilateral commission commercials during the break. Council on Foreign Relations and shit. Um, the music and the pharmaceutical monopolies are controlled by the Atonists. The Federal Reserve and its banks, not only in the U.S., but throughout the world, the, the, the central banks, right? Now, um, the first term for the Illuminati when it was popularized and made into somewhat mainstream culture was the international bankers. And then that evolved into the international banking cabal. But this is the Illuminati. The Illuminati has been around since 1776, but uh, it was popularized and brought to the attention of the people that wanted to pay attention just before this New Age movement began in the 50s, actually, with a book from a guy uh, that Moral Bob actually shared with me. His last name is uh, Carr, I believe, with two R's. And I actually found a book, an audio recording of it, I believe, that goes for like $300. And this book has a $300 version that's pure and, and the original way that the author intended. And then there is a literal FBI edited edition that you can pick up for 20 bones. So uh, the fact that the FBI is saying, hey, you know, we'll edit this book after after you're dead and we'll sell an approved version of this that is FBI endorsed. It's wild. It is absolutely wild. It's called Pawns in the Game, I think it is. And um, if you can find a hard copy of that or a paperback copy for less than 200 bones, let me know because uh, I might scoop that up off you. But I need proof that it's not FBI endorsed because we don't want that shit. But uh, where we leave off here with this list, the, the monopolies, the federal banks, as I mentioned, the United Nations, the Vatican and the Jesuits. Um, and the Vatican's a very interesting one. That's the biggest one here, in my opinion. And um, the major think tanks and the space programs, right? NASA included. And like I said, the Vatican's a huge one, man. The, the world's biggest church, which I and many others in this, this community rail against big time. Um, it's actually a secret Egyptian cult masquerading as a Catholic church. And that may explain the satanic undertakings of the church. And it really explains the headdress that the Pope wears. The headdress is that of Akhenaten, right? It's not the actual Pharaoh headdress. But if you look at images of Akhenaten, he's either wearing the headdress or he's wearing the Pope hat, literally. So this is where that, that hat comes from. It's not how South Park says that it's to cover the ears of St. Peter, the original saint. And uh, Peter Rabbit is that same guy, right? The the idea, I don't know if you've seen that episode. But uh, I quote that all the time. I quote freaking uh, South Park many times. And they're right about a lot of shit. But um, it's not to cover rabbit ears. It is to resemble their grandmaster, Akhenaten, right? Crazy. So I learned shit every day looking into these societies. Like I mentioned, you know, I, I thought that the leaders of the world were the Freemasons and the Illuminati. And then I thought the Pilgrim Society, right? And the Pilgrim Society is high up. That's what really keeps us connected to Great Britain and, and the English, the crown and all that shit, right? Now, I'm pretty comfortable saying that I feel that the cult of Aton the Atonists are at the top. And if they're not at the top, they're as high up as we can really find right now. Um, if I find something higher, I will absolutely share it with you. You know where to get it. But, I mean, man, it's um, it's interesting to think that these groups 
could have all potentially been based off of the teachings of the Atonists. And if you remember when I was talking about the Freemasons, they take a lot of the what they call mystery school information from the ancient times, and that is based off of Babylonian and Egyptian religions. So it fits right in with the narrative that I have been um, developing in my own head and, and sharing with you all. But um, yeah, man, if this dates back to Akhenaten and they see him as sort of like this, maybe he's the coming one that the UN refers to or whatever, um, it, it's something that is a big rabbit hole that you could really go deep down. Now, I've got a few other societies here to mention, so um, I'll move on. But uh, another questionable one that that could potentially be higher than the Atonis, if they're not the same, is the Order of the Sun. Um, from my research, which is very, very difficult to find information on the Sun Order or the Order of the Sun, you get a lot of um, information of like the Sun's phases and, uh, you know, just the order of like layers in the Earth and all kinds of like fake space shit. But um, Order of the Sun could be something that would rival the Atonists if it's not the same. Again, my research kind of points into the, the direction that they are the same thing. So yeah, anytime you're mentioning a secret society of any kind, you have to pay the Atonists their respect. They're the OGs in the game. Now, um, I mentioned the Rosicrucians with the tearing down of the Georgia Guidestone and obviously the creation of it. That's the going theory. Who knows what the, what the facts are? But there's something very similar to that, and it's the Martinist Order. Okay, the Martinist Order is number two on my list here. And uh, these aren't necessarily in any order of importance after this. I would just say that the Atonists are absolutely key players in hiding secret knowledge from the masses, you and me, right? Um, but the Martinists are a spiritual, mystical, and magical organization from the system of Martinez de Pasquale, and a um, and the philosophy of Louis Claude de Saint Martin, and these guys actually have a great great website. Um, I'll explain a little bit about their site later. But it is if I was gonna fuck around on any website to try and find out more about the way that a certain group thinks, it would absolutely be this Martinus website. It's phenomenal. So many videos. I mean, hours and hours of information on this site. If you're interested. Uh, I would definitely check that out, and I'll, I'll cite their website here in just a bit. But um, these guys are Christian mystics, just like the Rosicrucians, and they have a lot of knowledge of the esoteric elements of Judaism as well, similar to the Rosicrucians, right? The esoteric elements of Judaism is the Kabbalah. So with that being said, they stress that they're not dogmatic. They're not religious. They're, say it with me, spiritual. <laughs> a lot of these societies that control the world are spiritual. You see why I hate it. I'm pounding that home. I actually uh, argued a little bit with um, Buckley, Ron's uh, awesome co-host at uh, Wicked Planet. And, uh, you know, you can't convince me that spirituality isn't being pushed onto us to get more in line with thinking the way that these people do. But um, back to the Martinists here, they study the natural relationships that exist between the divine the universe, and humanity. So uh, something to think about, man. Very, very similar to Rosicrucianism. And this site of theirs that I mentioned, it's called martinists.org. Phenomenal site. I mean, they have sections home, martinism, history, texts, videos, gallery, local groups, and members. 
you can download the free book, um, which they base all of their teachings off of. I would do a deep dive on these guys, but I'm not, um, uh, this isn't the episode for that, obviously. We're just kind of glossing over a few important ones, in my opinion here. But this is directly from their site and what they tell you is needed in order to be in their presence and to work with them. So they say to become a Martinist is to undertake the reconstruction of the inner temple. The Martinist relies on two pillars, which we see that reoccurring a lot. Okay, The Martinist relies on two pillars to build this everlasting temple, that of initiation and that of the Martinist teachings, Boaz and Yahin, right? The Freemasons operate off of two pillars as well. A lot of these guys do. Initiation denotes the beginning of this great work, for it is at this moment that we receive the seed of light that constitutes the foundation of our work. It is then up to the the work, I'm sorry, it is then up to us to work to bring into being this light and to make it shine. Interesting, right? Now, the light is referred to, yeah, it's referring to Lucifer, right? Now, people will say Jesus is the light and all of these things. And while I I agree, I, I think that anytime you gain some sort of enlightenment or you become closer to your creator, which call it whatever you want, right? A lot of people call it spiritualism. I refuse to use that term in a positive light um, as of right now. Maybe I'll, maybe my mind will change. I really don't think it will. But they also go on to talk about some of their teachings, right? Martinist studies. And they include mystical symbols, free will and destiny, dreams and initiation, science of numbers, numerology, prayer, obviously, and any kind of one of these things. They're not dogmatic. They're not religious, but they do pray. Um, cycles of humanity, art, music, and language, and of course, the Kabbalah, that Jewish mysticism, right? The Jewish um, esoterica, I guess, right? And I won't lie, they're very, very appealing on the site. Like I said, it's a phenomenally done site. They have quite a few different sites. I'm not sure which is the absolute official one. This one seems the most official, and their symbol is the Seal of Solomon, right? Not the Star of David, but the Seal of Solomon, the uh, white triangle pointing up, the interlocked black triangle pointing down, one representing man. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting here. The one actually it's it's perfectly done. Obviously, the one pointing up represents femininity. And uh, well, actually, now that I'm looking at it here, it's backwards. The one pointing up represents femininity, um, the divine. But it is white. It represents light in their uh, iteration here. And then the one pointing down represents um man and earth and reality and all these things it's the supposed pure one right but they show it black here um the white probably pertaining to lucifer a little bit and then obviously this black one pertaining to uh to satan because it points down one points up just it's it's interesting to see you know this christian mystic order using what is traditionally considered to be a jewish symbol but obviously, we move away from that as we learn a little bit more about this stuff, right? It's um, it's an old witchcraft symbol, just like the yin-yang. The yin-yang um, represented, again, with the black and the white, the duality. You see this repeated over and over again in these societies. So fun to look into, man, the Martinists, right? So um, separating it from Ros- Rosicrucianism can be kind of tough, but I heard it overly simplified in a way that I will actually use here because I think it sums it up well enough. 
So Rosicrucianism is a political vision of sorts, or it looks at society as a whole, while Martinism is more singular. It's more individual. It's inward looking. And you might say that Martinism builds Rosicrucianism. Now, Martinism, from what I understand, came along later, but this could have been some Rosicrucianist saying, hey, um, you know, this is too broad of a thought. We're focusing on too big of a group here. Let's make something that could focus on the individual and we could recruit people into Rosicrucianism through Martinism, right? In my opinion, it was just brought about to recruit these people. That's that's essentially what I think it is. And it is, to be clear, hermetic in nature as Rosicrucianism is. Hermetic obviously referring to Hermes and the teachings of him. And I think... Uh, Who's the other, the Egyptian dude that it also is based off of here? I'll actually look it up. Why not, right? Um, yeah, the Hermetics. Okay, so it's, um, I am sorry for that. Okay, yeah, so Hermeticism, the Egyptian god Thoth. So, yeah, um, Hermes is the is the Greek version of the Egyptian Thoth. So, fun shit, right? More of that mystery school teaching stuff. And um, just another way to... to um, you know, sort of infiltrate society and to recruit into all these uh, educated individuals holding the knowledge. Now, uh, speaking of education, right? I didn't even mean for this, but this is kind of perfect. The Jason Society is next on my list. And the Jason Society was founded in 1959 from some Los Alamos uh, research program attendees. And it was commissioned by President Eisenhower. There was a lot of stuff going on under Eisenhower. He's, of course, the one that warned of the military-industrial complex, right? Probably one of our last good presidents. Um, and, and I've heard him called by people that I look up to in the podcast world the very last conservative president that this country has seen. Reagan wasn't conservative. The Bushes damn sure weren't conservative. Trump wasn't conservative, um, although he was closer than some of these others. Um Eisenhower, man, a, a pretty interesting dude, but he starts this program to sift through all facts, evidence, technology, lies, deception, and find the truth of the alien question. Okay, this was a huge deal to Eisenhower. And initially, the society was made up of 32 of the most prominent men in the field in this country. And they also uh, tie in really, really well with uh, Majestic 12. So the Majestic 12 was like, the 12 most skilled members of um, these 32 from the way I understand it. Now, it takes its name from the story of Jason and the Golden Fleece. And anytime you see the Jason Society, the Jason, all, all letters are capitalized. Um, but it refers to Jason and the Golden Fleece. And it's a branch of the Order of the Quest. Now, that's another one that you could look into if you're interested but um, one of the highest degrees in the Illuminati here we're talking about with the with the the order of the quest. And they make up senior members of not only the Council of Foreign Relations, but the Trilateral Commission as well, among many others. So you got some high rollers in this Jason Society, again, focusing on science and facts. Right now, I kind of think that they could be behind the hidden hand, sort of behind this push for scientism with the the uh, messianic figure known as Anthony Fauci, which is a wonderful cult leader for a lot of pliable minds, right? Um, 
the Jason Society, man, when you start talking about quote unquote facts and citing papers that are not in any way biased, right? Science can't be bought. Come on. Um, and you can't criticize Fauci because then you're criticizing science. So, I mean, this is this is kind of along the lines, I think, that was inspired by the Jason Society here. And uh, I think that, you know, the intention of starting the society was probably okay. Um, again, Eisenhower seeming to be one of these more benevolent presidential figures in the United States history. Um, I don't know. I'm sure he's got some some skeletons in that closet. I heard rumors that he was gay. Who cares? I, I really don't care about that kind of stuff. But the deception is kind of shitty, right? Like it's the whole idea of J. Edgar Hoover, who, you know, is the, the head of this corrupt organization that we call the FBI and um, supposedly cross-dressed and did all this weird shit. Hey, I really don't care, but um, there is something something to be said about the deception with that. So today, um, it's still the president's elite science governing board. So it's it's not gone anywhere like some of these cults have, um, or societies, or orders, whatever you want to call them. This one is still very much a power player in our modern day world. Again, the ones that I think are pushing us to scientism with Fauci and DeGrasse Tyson and all these fucks. But it is led by a lady. Okay, they're not a fraternity, clearly. It's led by Ellen D. Williams. So um, uh, she's been, I think, there since 2019, I want to say. I could be off on that number. But um, yeah, this this part of them I found to be extremely interesting when they first started. And I, I don't know if this is still the case anymore. I, I wouldn't see this as being the case. But when they started under Eisenhower, they were broken up into three alternatives or three levels of importance. Alternative one was to use nuclear devices to blast holes in the stratosphere from which the heat and pollution could escape into space. So maybe global warming isn't putting a hole in the ozone. Maybe something else is doing that or did that, right? They say in the 70s that a bunch of the ozone melted away or burned up or whatever the fuck it does um, over, I believe, Antarctica, right? Maybe it's because of this weird shit that they were doing back in the 50s when there was a space race. Um, obviously, the space race was in the 60s, but we're talking 59 here. We're pretty damn close to to the space race era. And then um, alternative two was to build a vast network of underground cities and tunnels. I'm not joking here. Underground cities and tunnels in which a select representation of all cultures and occupations would survive and carry on the human race. Now, the rest of humanity would be left to fend for themselves on the surface of the planet while the elite are safe underneath, okay? And, uh, you know, uh, that that leaves us to alternative three, which was to exploit alien and conventional technology in order for a select few to leave the Earth and establish colonies on the moon and Mars. And we see that still going on today with Elon Musk. They obviously didn't figure that out back then, or did they? Um, there are some alleged crystal cities on the surface of the moon and this, the surface of Mars. So I actually have a book where I'm reading about those. Sidonia and all that fun shit. My space heads will like that. And then my uh, space is fake and gay people will probably like it too. It's just a fun thing to get into. Quit being so serious, people. Uh, but I don't know what you would think about that. You know, the, the, it's, it's very interesting to me. Alternative 2 seems extremely interesting, right? The idea that there is a group of people that's to build an underground network of tunnels and cities. And then now, again, back to Elon Musk, 
you have him boring all these tunnels to connect all these things, which could have been naturally there, right? I've heard the the earth is kind of like a honeycomb down down underneath us here, but tough to say, right? I think that it's just, it's absolutely interesting. So alternative one, two, and three make up this um, Jason society. And they're also, believe it or not, a key player behind Project Bluebeam to merge all religions, including the atheists, who, contrary to their own belief, they are part of a religion, just a religion that has no religion, right? And they want to form all of us into this new age religion. So while higher profile societies seem to enact policy and divide the world into two, right? They want the, the, the right and the left, it seems, all over. And you really see that focused here in the United States, but I do believe it's going on all over the place. You definitely see it in Canada. You see it in a lot of the West. But um, there's these lower key groups like the Jason Society getting the technology in place to do so. Once we're fully divided and there's atheists and then there's like more um, Abrahamic religion people that that hate each other, right? Then they they break the whole system down and Bluebeam gets enacted, right? I remember we thought the Bluebeam was going to start like in 2020. It's so interesting how how illogical we can be, right? Myself included, when there's a little bit of fear injected into our lives or, or even just unsureness, if that's even a word. You start snowballing. Your ideas start spiraling out of control and then you start thinking that the aliens, the fake aliens are coming. You know what I mean? It's wild, man. So 2020 was very unsure time, so I don't blame any of you for thinking that. Like I said, I was on board with that whole idea. But I found another society or order here that is not as sexy or flashy as these other two that I mentioned, but uh, it's called the Ancient Order of Hibernians, and they're Irish, okay? Uh, That sounds a little Scottish more so, but uh, you get the idea here. They formed in 1836 officially, but what's kind of interesting too is that they tie back to Andrew Jackson as he was a nominated candidate, right? And he was a nominated member of the society as well. And he was way back in, what, 1829 was when he started. So clearly before that, and they were probably running a little bit underground. The Irish have an interesting history in this country, right? Uh, An unfortunate one, kind of. And an unfortunate history as a whole. I mean, I'm partially Irish. There's some some interesting history there for sure. Um, Cool people, man. Fucking drinkers and... All this fun stuff, the stuff that I like. I feel like my Irish roots are definitely prevalent, even though I don't very much look Irish. Um, it's a, it's an interesting group, man. And like I said, 1836 starting up officially. But it's it's um, something that, that caught my attention about this is that it was made exclusively of, of these Irish Catholics. But um, they offered Jackson this spot. Because he was a um, Scottish-Irish descent. He was of Scottish-Irish descent. He was a Presbyterian, though, on the books, right? I found that to be incredibly interesting. But I think that they wanted a high roller in government. And I think that they must have had some intel that he was going to be president. As we know, they seem to be selected rather than elected. And I think that this probably dates back to Jackson's time. Um, Hell, probably even Washington's time, right? There's some pretty credible evidence that George Washington himself was actually an agent of the crown. So I don't know. You know, um, history is so muddled that it's tough to know any of this stuff. But one thing that we do know is that this is an Irish Catholic society. 
And they made an exception to invite a Presbyterian presidential candidate in. And they were set up to protect Irish immigrants and, more importantly, Irish Catholic clergymen specifically. These are are very important to um, Irish Catholics, right? And anytime there's a Catholic society, I think that there should be attention paid to them. They're a seemingly boring society here, as I mentioned, but um, they have one of their own in the White House right now, right? In Joe Biden. And Joe Biden is not necessarily even like a concrete Irish Catholic. I think that he converted, right? And... um, I got into this a little bit in episode 209, which was a fun one, by the way. If you hadn't listened to that one, I'm not trying to like just plug all kinds of shit here. I think this is the second episode I've plugged so far. But 209 was a fun one. I talked about Biden's secret history um, from a family perspective, you know, the the etymology or whatever of the name and all of the, the history, the English high roller connection and all this fun stuff. But um, he Biden was very much tied with powerful Englishmen through... The original last name that he had, Button, B-U-T-T-O-N, and uh, that's kind of funny to think, but um, this is dating back to the 13th century with the Button family, and they intermarried with English politicians and high-level educators, like at Oxford and all this shit, big, big, big universities like that, and so it's interesting that even though he really seems to come from WASP roots, right, Protestant roots, which the, the Irish Catholics do not like, um... 99% of our presidential candidates seem to have been, or I guess not 99 because we haven't even had 100 yet. Let's say 95% of our presidential candidates seem to be Protestant. Or um, in the case of Jackson, you have a Presbyterian. So we'll bump that down to 90, right? But, you know, it seems that a lot of these people have the same belief system. And it overwhelmingly seems to be Protestant in some way. The WASP society, right? The white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. But our boy uh, Biden here puts it out there that he is Irish Catholic and the Irish Americans embrace that. Right. Um, I don't think that they necessarily care that he isn't an Irish Catholic by quote unquote blood or whatever, um, the same as they did with Jackson so long ago. So um, I'm not sure why they're excited or if they're excited about him now. Right. (laughs) But I mean, nonetheless, Daniel O'Connell their current president wrote a letter congratulating him in 2020. And in the letter, O'Connell cites some Irish history and their mistreatment in the United States early on, along with the uh, potato famine, which, you know, we kind of joke about that a lot, but it's a horrible fucking time for the Irish. And um, the tyrannical English, English government at the time, right? And he swears their oath to the senile president here. And whoever uh, is is his vice president, this whore that he's got in there with the with the white in the White House with him. And then he goes on to say that they'll always uphold the Constitution. So to me, that's kind of a contradiction, right? Uh, the the uh, controversy of this election and then blindly supporting this guy. I'm not, you know, insulting the, the group here. I think that they actually seem pretty noble in their cause to protect their own. But, um, you know, very, very interesting to just blindly follow a, a presidential candidate because he lies and says that he's Irish Catholic when he has Protestant roots. Something to think about, right? And um, again, this is the second time that they did this. They were obviously very pro-Kennedy because there's proof that he was Irish Catholic um, growing up in Boston, right? So that's like like the mecca of the uh, Irish Americans. But this order is very nonpartisan as a whole. And um, it seems that they really don't care, Democrat, Republican. They don't seem to, to do too much with politics, And like I said, they kind of seem to have this noble history. They came from the ribbonism movement, 
of Ireland who was, you know, composed of, of this poor Irishman group going against the Protestants. Again, that's supposedly the story of um, St. Patrick, right? He, he kicked out all the uh, fuck or whoever the fuck it was, kicked out all the snakes and uh, the snakes were actually the Protestants. And the this is the um, the Orangism people, right? These rich landlords were part of the Orangist movement. And they were kind of like uh, th- these uh, Hibernians kind of seem like the Italian mafia and, and the, the origin of that, right? Where these Italians were trying to just look out for their own and then they come to be extremely powerful. I don't know the extent of the Hibernians' power, but it's definitely notable. And uh, it made my list of, of under-talked-about societies for that reason. Um but I, I just wanted to kind of wrap a bow on this idea of the Orange Order and how they were going against the uh, Ribbonists and, and vice versa. The Orange Order were made of Protestants living mostly in Northern Ireland who were British loyalists. And because of this, they had more wealth as a whole than the Ribbonists did. So the Ribbonists were like, yeah, fuck these guys. They're they're loyal to this group that's enslaving us. We're going to rise up. And, and apparently they did, man. You don't really hear the uh, the... Orangist talked about, right? But you you see them evolve into this powerful organization known as the Wasps and the the Pilgrim Society. So maybe this is kind of like that Irish Catholic counterpart to the Pilgrims. So another thing that uh, that perked my interest with them. So uh, that's that's them, man. Now I'm gonna move into some weird shit here, okay? To wrap up the talk on some of these societies. This is the Sect Rouge, okay? The Sect Rouge, kind of a little bit of the Leopard Society as well. The West uh, West African version is the Leopard Society. The Sect Rouge is a Haitian society which practices cannibalism and grave robbing. Fun shit, right? Got to be a fun party when these guys get together. And they have a, a chapter in New Orleans as well, which is kind of the home. Again, this, you know, how, how Boston's the mecca of Irish Catholics in the United States. New Orleans and Louisiana as a whole seems to be the mecca of a lot of Haitian practices. They they kind of hold voodoo in a in a positive light, right? I I don't know how many practicing voodoo um, people, voodoo's. I I don't even know how you refer to these guys. I don't know how many are actually in the United States, but a good percentage of them would be in New Orleans. That's a, a very interesting city with a wild wild history, and um, it's on my bucket list of many other places in this country to go before I before I'm gone. Interesting place, man, and I love their food. Creole and Cajun food is the shit. But this sect rouge was brought to light by an author in 1938, this lady named Zora Neale Hurtson. And she described in this book, Tell My Horse, the whole idea and the practices a little bit of the sect rouge. And she said that the they sacrifice people to their god, Kalfu, who's the god of the crossroads, kind of like the goddess Diana, which the Merovingians worship, right? I talked about them with um, Adam and Deborah and Chud over there at, at Deborah Gets Red Pilled. We had a good time. They just released an episode on their feed, so check that out if you haven't. Fun show. Really, really nice people, man. Um, honored to, to be on there. But when I when I heard of this Kalfu character, I immediately thought, of the goddess Diana. And then that tied in with the whole, you know, sacrifice because the Merovingians are, of course, or the, I should say the Windsors are part of that Merovingian bloodline, allegedly. Um, there's some pretty good proof of that because Mohammed was also supposedly part of that bloodline. And um, 
the queen said that she is a descendant of that of that guy too, right? So who knows if they're just blowing smoke? But Cal Fu is the voodoo version for the sect Rouge of that god of crossroads. And crossroads seem to be extremely important to occultists and people that practice this esoteric shit or sometimes this downright evil shit like cannibalism because I think it represents free will. And free will, even though it is good, I think that free will is good as a whole, I feel that in their practices, free will represents Lucifer, right? And the moment that he becomes Satan, essentially, it represents the duality um, of this body of, of the devil, and you see it referenced a lot in pop culture, right? Um, who's that? Bob Dylan talks about the crossroads and, and you see the crossroads referenced a lot. And we face crossroads every day in our lives. And it is a beautiful thing to have free will, I think. But um, I think the, the, the mention of it is definitely it's got it's got a deeper meaning that we don't really understand. Uh, but apparently on her trip on Miss uh, Hertzen's trip here to Haiti, she was woken up in the middle of the night to the pounding of a drum in sort of this ritualistic manner. And she got up to go outside, but the maid of this home that she was staying at wouldn't allow her to leave because the group would kill everyone in the home if they went outside and saw what they were doing. So the idea here is that these people just kind of run fucking shop in the streets here and no one's allowed to see what they're doing, even though it's right outside their house. I guess if they're caught looking out the window, even they would uh, this this group would storm in the home and cannibalize them right and then make them participate in their rituals as a sacrifice so again later she was woken up this time by a neighbor burning a tire and she was obviously pissed off by the strong ass smell and she went out to ask the neighbor what the fuck was going on she didn't hear the drums or the rituals going on from this um from the sect rouge and the guy burning the tire said that he does this all the time whenever he can get tires to burn he does this to keep this group out of his area, out of his neighborhood. I guess these people hate the smell of burning tires and it keeps them away. And he was doing this that he would protect his own son from being kidnapped and sacrificed and cannibalized here. Interesting stuff. I mean, a lot of speculation here. She's really the only one that's brought them up and other people have copied her work in order to talk about them. But apparently, according to her and many others that, that have done research on them, Local authorities even protect and suppress the undertakings of the sect because of their powerful magical practices. And the cops will even participate in these rituals to gain their trust. So they dress their sacrifices in really expensive jewelry and clothes, and they feel like this harnesses power of some sort from their souls, right? A lot of these crystals and a lot of the things that a lot of these people tend to believe hold power maybe they do right i don't think that they do um as much as people people give them credit for but they put this this expensive jewelry on these people they kill them and then they will go as far as even selling the jewelry saying that it has special powers and sometimes apparently when you're buying haitian jewelry it can be from sacrificed people that was that was you know um i don't know if it's cursed or what but they would say that <laughs> along the lines of hey this is a very special and powerful fucking bracelet with whatever stones inside of it. And um, they leave out the part that, you know, someone was sacrificed while wearing it. So interesting shit. After they they kill these people, they um, eat their flesh and then supposedly in, in some cases would resurrect and, you know, zombify the the subject. Again, I don't know if I go as far as believing in this. I know that zombification is a crime in Haiti. So uh, they absolutely believe in it. And 
according to to Hertz in here too, um, they they have a strict code of secrecy, so it's really difficult to find much information on these guys. I just found it to be really interesting and kind of fun because uh, when you get into some of the hard line, like actual real shit, like the Hibernians, the Jasons, and then the Atonists, um, you it's, it's kind of cool to speculate on on what these people might be doing. And it's interesting that these foreign societies seem to have more aspects of the paranormal in their work, right? Um, at least in comparison to Western societies like the Skull and Bones, who definitely participate in some of this weird shit. To the extent, I don't know, um, you know, how far they go. But people familiar with this group say that they are behind all of the evil sacrificial practices in the Western governments, the adrenochrome, the uh, the abuse of kids and the trafficking and things like that. And uh, you definitely saw this with the Clintons, right? I mean, the Clintons have some very shady doings. And even recently, a dude was uh, that was connected to them was was killed in a very, very weird way. It, it did not look like suicide, but they called it suicide. And um, the Clintons were obsessed with voodoo culture uh, and the, the Haitian culture as a whole, I should say. Bill was very obsessed with voodoo. And Hillary was obsessed with necromancy. And again, I did an episode on this too. Um, Hillary used to channel Eleanor Roosevelt, I believe. And then Bill Clinton learned voodoo from Aristide. And Aristide allegedly was his like his holder. And Aristide was a, a president over in, uh, in Haiti. But uh, there's a wild commercial that I showed too with uh, Bill Clinton and, and like some voodoo shit going on. The guy from Train Spotting. Is, is playing with this voodoo doll and <clears throat> excuse me and Bill Clinton is moving the way that this guy is uh is making the doll move and then at the end it's clear that uh Bill Clinton is is uh I don't want to say that in the same sentence but is 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 done away with by this guy so it's wild it's a wild commercial if you want just type in like Bill Clinton voodoo commercial maybe Scotland it aired in but uh it was removed needless to say because they were like how the fuck are you going to show a video of the president, um, you know, being being murdered like that? It's fucking crazy. And supposedly Bill wore the same pair of underwear for the week of his 92 election, I want to say, when he first came in. And uh, there's there's just, I mean, endless different things with them and, and the way that they communicate. Marianne Williamson was invited into the Lincoln bedroom Um from Hillary Clinton. I think that she stayed there in the Lincoln bedroom, Lincoln bedroom, obviously being very supernatural because of Mary Todd and all this weird shit. Um, another thing too, which, you know, not proven, but supposedly he was the one with Aristide who made, uh, George Bush throw up on, I believe the Japanese prime minister because they cursed him in some way. So who knows? Again, this is all fun shit to speculate on. No concrete facts here. But um, definitely the uh, the commercials real and their supposed obsession with with the Haitian culture is real, too. There's video of uh, Bill Clinton saying that Hillary Clinton channels Eleanor Roosevelt and she talks with Eleanor Roosevelt on a regular basis. This was back in, I believe, the early 2000s after Bill was out of the White House. So cool shit at the very least. Right. And some of the stuff that the Clintons do in Haiti is not cool, obviously. Um, look into Laura Silsby if you haven't heard that story, if you haven't heard the episode that I did with this whole voodoo connection in the Clintons. 
Laura Silsby and the kids that that she got arrested for trafficking or attempting to traffic, 33 of them, by the way, right? 33 always being a significant number in this world of um, of the occult. And along with the idea of her, an individual arrested for child trafficking in a foreign country, becoming the vice president of marketing at AlertSense. Okay, this is the Amber Alert company. So it's, it's fucking insane. This whole thing shook down in 2010 while Hillary Clinton was secretary of state. So they bailed her out um, when she got arrested in a foreign country again. And then she goes on to, to, you know, be in charge or VP of marketing is what her role was with AlertSense. And I mean, this is the company that when a kid gets kidnapped, you're supposed to alert everybody, right? It's as easy in this case. And I'm not saying that they did this, but it's as easy as like, you know, if someone takes a, a child in a black truck and they're running away, you just say it's a red car. You know what I mean? And, and everyone's looking for a red car when, when the people are getting away in a in a different vehicle right give the wrong name give the wrong description whatever i mean who knows i'm not saying that it happened but this is a hell of a coincidence why someone would be put in that position after some serious allegations and some serious i mean a fucking arrest right these people aren't looking for attention or just trying to hate on this lady she did change her name too laura silsby did so fucking wild there's some insane connections and um again just to wrap a bow on that idea this haitian sect rouge is supposedly like very influential with this you know dark more cannibalistic more out there theory of what the u.s government does to stay in power and stay looking young and all that good shit so moving through some of these cults and these orders and these societies and and you know the first thing that you have to realize, obviously, is there's endless amounts of these things. The The bottom of the barrel is never reached, and the top is surely not reached either. You, you can go anywhere that you want to with all these things, and that's what keeps me coming back and looking for more of them. And, you know, we started off the episode talking a little bit about the Georgia Guidestones and the tragic collapse. This is the New World Order's 9-11, basically, and they're real upset and um, I don't know. I don't know exactly, um, you know, how they're going to react from this point on. Maybe it's kind of symbolic of, uh, you know, the same thing that happened after, you know, September 11th, 2001, when these towers fell and we started a fake war here in the United States under good old George Bush, who the left seems to love now. It's very interesting, right? Um you know, this this monolith here that represents the new world order is now fallen. Is there going to be a fake war that's perpetuated amongst the people of the United States? Your guess is as good as mine. But something else happened the other day on the 5th of July where CERN started up. And there was also something that was very interesting in a, in a connection to this, um, you know, hydron particle collider. Over there in, uh, I think it's at the border of Switzerland and France, if I'm not mistaken. Geneva. Geneva. And uh, clearly you can see now that I have a helper who cannot wait to be introduced ever. Uh, she really ruins every show that she participates in. Um, the whole point of you being a guest is you wait to fucking talk until you're introduced. Okay, okay. I couldn't wait, but I had to correct you. So. Do you know where Geneva is? Um, Switzerland. Yeah. It's so a, that's why I said border Swi- of Switzerland that's, and France. Yeah, that's why I said Switzerland <laughs> and France. So thank you. Um, th- now uh, to be honest, 
this person's performance right now is whether she gets a job on the show formally or not is really based off of this performance. She's been living in her car in my front yard, which is broken down for the last couple of months. And um, if she does a good job here and she brings good information forward, she may be able to sleep on the floor in the home here. Um, Kim, what do you have to say about your performance? Are you nervous? Do you think that you delivered here? What are your thoughts? I'm just hoping to, uh, you know, line up that spot right there by the door on the floor. Okay. So I'm going to do my best. Well, so something happened with the sun on the 5th as well, right? Yeah, there was a weird hole in the sun that looked like a hole to all the astronomers, and it shot... They called it a cyclops hole, right? Right, yeah, a cyclops-like hole. And it just shot G1 magnetic force radio waves at the Earth. There's a G1 to G5, but it just shot only G1. And G1 is low-key. Yeah, it's like the smallest. It's like, you know, if you're rating earthquakes, like an F1, the smallest earthquake, you know, kind of thing. But it is interesting that there is a weird um, hole in the sun that shot out a bunch of radio waves the same day that CERN got turned on. Mm. That's pretty ironic and interesting because it's, you know, like maybe they're creating a black hole in the sun speculation. Yeah, and this is one of those things that uh, a lot of people accuse CERN of doing, right? Yeah, all kinds of stuff. They can they right now. I was looking into the connection of the name of CERN and their connection to demonology, and some people think that there is a connection where they're ripping a portal through different dimensions like that stupid TV show Stranger Things. Yeah. Well, and let's be real, you're not looking into this because it was your idea. I asked you to look into something with uh with CERN and Cernunos, right? Yeah, you definitely asked me to try to find a connection with Cernunos and CERN, and I for sure a thousand percent did. Okay. Well, um, I'm curious as to where you wanted to start here, because this is, you have been getting a lot better at researching, by the way. Yeah, well, I wanted to start by, you also told me to research this weird book because you wanted to buy it, and you're like, huh, it's $300 online, that sucks, can you find one cheaper? 15 minutes later, I find the original audiobook dictated by the original author well, in 1950. Well, we don't know. Let's, let's be clear here. We don't know if that's the audiobook. It's a well, it's lecture. Well, the entire lecture of the book, word for word of the book. Well, no, we don't know that. That's the whole thing. I'm pretty sure it is. You're very optimistic. Because it says that it is, and it says that he, he used to do a bunch of speeches at different halls. Yeah. And that was a recorded speech at the hall, and it was a recorded From speech the 50s, of the yeah. name of that book. Okay. So I'm pretty sure I hooked it up within 15 minutes. Well, I'm going to listen to it and see. $300 book for free. Yeah, and, and if that's the case, you know what I think would be kind of interesting to do is to actually um, get the audio book. Um, get a copy of the real one and then get the reprint that the government made. No, I think it'd be kind of cool to get the audiobook, see if it confirms like the the non-FBI approved version. Right. And then also like buy the FBI the non-FBI approved version and no, print definitely. out print out versions of it and give those out to people. No, no, it's a good idea. It's definitely a good idea. But today, like I said, that's where I wanted to start just by telling you how good I am at doing research. Yeah, you're getting better for today, sure. Today, uh so the, we brought you on for something that I think is very important to a lot of people right now. Yeah. July 5th being the the, the second time, to my knowledge, that CERN started up. I think that it's done many times. Have yeah, you- yeah. Um, it was out of commission for two years, and then it just decided to pop on up the day that there's a hole in the sun. No biggie. 
Yeah, it may be uh, <laughs> much more. I may be off base by saying that this is the second time. I think it started up many times, but this is the only the, the second time that I'm aware of. So yeah, to be clear, I think so, yeah, sure. yeah. To be clear, I'm not saying this is the second time. This is just the second time I'm aware of. But so CERN and Sir Nunos, yeah. Right? To understand the connection, you're gonna have to be filled in on who Sir Nunos actually is. He's from 400 BC. Is the first time anybody ever heard of him, or there's any rec- recorded proof of him. Um, he's basically an ancient Celtic god, and he goes by several different names, but mostly he's the god of fertility, animals, wealth, nature, hunting, and the underworld. Okay. And I know for a fact that Caesar, Caesar Augustus is the one that labeled him the god of the underworld mm. during Roman times. Well, and that's interesting because, you know, they have Shiva outside of CERN. Right. I'll get to that. I'll get to that first. You got to know who Sir Nunos is. So... F- We're going to get more into the occult aspects of CERN and maybe the secret society that surrounds Cernunos and all of the undertakings there within CERN. So uh, thank you so much for your support over there at Dangerous Worlds Patreon. You know what to do. Patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast, guys. I'll see you over there.